we recently received a, a donation, a gift for the church. And this, uh, this is one of the wall hangings that is now in the uh, conference room. Well, there are a couple of other pictures in there as well. But uh, this was really cool, and I wanted to show this to you because I know not everybody makes their way to the conference room as regularly as I do. And so I wanted to make sure that you got to see this. It's really neat. When I, when I saw it, it kind of captured my attention because um, I, I started thinking about all the different trees that are mentioned in Scripture. And I'm not talking about, you know, olive trees and and. Uh, pecan trees and apple trees or whatever, but trees that, that are mentioned in Scripture that have a specific and important meaning. Um, and the more I looked at it, the more I found there are a lot of uh, places in Scripture that mention trees. And so what I'd like to do is just take the next few weeks and talk about some of the trees that we find in the Bible. And so we just kind of used this wall hanging as a, uh, an inspiration to get it started. And then we played with the, the graphics a little bit and uh, just added the word rooted to that, uh, that wall hanging. And that's going to be our series for the next few weeks, a series called Rooted. One of the reasons that the, the hanging caught my attention and one of the reasons that we're using that title is because it not only shows you the cool tree, but it also shows you that for that tree to work, there's got to be some roots underneath it. And so as we go, we're going to be talking a, a good bit about what those roots are and how those roots make the trees uh, strong and healthy and uh, uh, make them able to do what they're intended to do. All right. This morning, I want us to get started with uh, at the beginning. We're going to start in Genesis. I want us to look at the tree of life. If you like to follow the, uh, uh, in the event in the Bible app, I want to let you know we did get that back in this week, so we're up and ready and running. Uh, so if you like to follow along in the Bible app, we are there. If you have a uh, regular Bible, go ahead and open with me. And we are in Genesis chapter 2. We're going to begin at verse 8. I want us to think together for a few minutes this morning about this amazing tree called the tree of life. Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 8. The Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. We call it the Garden of Eden. Eden was the, was the area, and in that area, God planted a special garden. It was a beautiful garden. It was, uh, it was lush and, and had all kinds of, of uh, fruit-bearing trees. And there were, uh, it, was, it was a beautiful place. The, the word that is used is paradise. Um, some folks get caught up on paradise means heaven because Jesus on the cross, he tells the, the thief, this day you'll be with me in paradise. Um, but paradise doesn't necessarily mean Heaven, paradise, the word means a pretty place. It's used for a park or a garden. So when Jesus says that you're going to be with me in paradise, he's reminding us that heaven is a beautiful place. 
He was telling the, the thief on the cross, look around us, this is the ugliest, worst thing that we could see, the worst place we could be, but today you're going to be with me in a beautiful place. So the Garden of Eden was one of these paradise kinds of places. And it says in, uh, in verse 9 then that, he, uh, that, that God created this beautiful garden. And in verse 9 it says, Out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God created this perfect garden paradise. He allowed Adam and Eve to live in it and to enjoy it. And that's such a, that, that, that's just like him. You know, he's such a loving father and he is so full of grace. He gives these people something they never earned. They did nothing to earn the, the beautiful garden in which he was allowing them to reside. Matter of fact, all they did was come up out of the dirt when he told them to. And then he says, look at this beautiful garden. As he allows them to live in this beautiful garden, he made sure that there were trees that, that made different kinds of fruit, different kinds of food. And he said, you guys can eat any kind of food you want here in the garden. You can eat from that tree and that tree and that tree and that tree. Matter of fact, you can even eat from the tree of life. Tree of life is in the center of the garden and they could eat from that tree of life. And when you eat from the tree of life, it gives you life and you get to continue to live. And hey, they could stay there in the garden forever, eating of the tree of life and enjoying the beauty. And he said, out of all of this that I give you, there's only one rule. Just one. The only rule. Don't eat from this one tree right here. So the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You can live with me forever. I will walk with you in the evening. We'll go through the garden and we'll talk about your day. You can eat all that's here. You can enjoy the beauty. Just one rule. Don't eat from this one. And you know what happens anytime somebody tells a human being, don't do this. All we can think about is figuring out a way to do it. As soon as you put a sign in the yard that says, don't, don't get on the grass, that's an invitation. Figure out a way to get on my grass without me knowing. And sure enough, as you know, God says, this is the only thing I ask of you. Don't eat from this one. And so that drew their attention to this one. And the enemy came. And the enemy convinced them. The enemy says, Eve... Did God really say you couldn't eat from these beautiful trees? Oh no, we can eat from all of them but this one. Really? Why do you think God doesn't want you to eat from this tree? Well, it doesn't matter why. He just told us not to, so we won't do it. Oh really? Did you know that if you eat from this tree, 
you'll become like God. That's why he doesn't want you to eat from it. Because he wants to be the only God. And Eve starts to thinking, hey, I love God. God is wonderful. Being like God couldn't be that bad. I'd like to be like God. And the scripture says that that fruit from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil was, was appetizing. You look it up in scripture and it says it looked like it would be good for food and it was pretty. And she looks at it and, you know, it's been a little while since I've had dinner. That's looking pretty good. Becoming more like God. That, that sounds good. You see, Satan will never, ever show you the true picture of what's behind the temptation. He'll never do that. He'll never say, hey, if, if you'll go down this road, then I can get you addicted to this stuff, and I can break up your marriage, and I can mess up your kids, and won't that be fun? He never presents it that way. No, it's always good to the eye. It's always, boy, that looks good and sounds good. That's how it's presented. And so here is that old devil, that serpent, and he's just slithering around, and he's saying, Eve, eat, Eve, eat, it's good. And so Eve eats from the knowledge the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And when you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, one of the terrible things that happens is you become aware of good and evil and finally you recognize your sin. You become aware of good and evil, what's right and wrong, what's good and bad. And as she was aware of this, she knew that she had messed up. And so what does she do? She wants to bring somebody else to the party. Hey, Adam, do what I did. It's good stuff. And then before too long, they're hiding in the bushes somewhere. And God comes through the garden. He says, Adam, where are you? Remember, I've, we've talked about it before, but remember, anytime God asks a question of a man, it's not because God needs the answer. It's because man needs to answer the question. He knows where Adam is. <laughs> He's not playing hide-and-seek. You can't play hide-and-seek with God. He knows where Adam is. The problem is Adam hasn't yet realized where Adam is. Adam doesn't understand that he's hiding in the bushes when he should be walking up and down the paths of the beautiful paradise. And so he says, Adam, where are you? And Adam has to admit to himself and then to God, oh, I'm over here hiding in the bushes. God says, why are you hiding in the bushes? Adam says, because I ain't got no clothes. Now, my first thought is always, well, who are you hiding from? God put all that together. He's seen it before. But my second question is God's question. Who told you you were naked? Because somebody had to tell you that, because that doesn't just, you just don't know that unless you've been eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Adam and Eve ate from the, the tree, they broke the one rule, and when they broke the one rule, 
something had to happen. And that something is the first thing that I want you to see this morning. That is that God keeps us from the tree of life. He keeps us from it. He won't allow us to enjoy the tree of life today. And let me show you why. We're right here in Genesis chapter 2. So those of you who have a traditional Bible, just turn a page. We're in chapter 3 at verse 21. Look at chapter 3 at verse 21. The Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever, therefore the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken." He drove out the man, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. So what happened when they broke the one rule is God said, you got to go. And he kicked them out of the garden. Not only did he kick them out of the garden, but he put up a guard there an angelic being and a flaming sword that would keep them from coming back into the paradise. But notice, he's not keeping them out of paradise because it's paradise, and I'm using that word to mean the garden. He's not kicking them out of the beautiful garden simply because it's beautiful. He's not punishing them in that way. He's keeping them away from the tree of life. He told us why that he was going to kick them out, because they might eat from the tree of life and live forever. Now, originally that was the plan, that they would keep eating from the tree of life and live forever. But now that they have sinned, things changed. Help me out here real quick. The wages of sin is... So you can no longer get to the tree of life... Because what you just earned, wages, what you just earned was death. So you can't get to the tree of life anymore. But not only does that speak to his justice, it's just. The wages of sin is death, therefore you don't get to the tree of life, that's just. But it also speaks to his grace. Why? Imagine. Once you are aware of good and evil, you're aware of your sinful thoughts, you're aware of your sinful being, imagine having to live with that knowledge forever with no hope of changing it. You live forever knowing that you messed up and that you'll never be white with God again and you have to live that way forever. You see, this was an act of grace. When he kept them from the tree of life, it was not only an act of justice, it was also an act of grace because that would be a terrible way for them to have to live forever realizing that they messed up the relationship. So this way they can't keep getting to the tree of life so they can't live forever. 
It's just a short time in the grand scheme of things. And the same is true for us today. We don't live forever because we're sinful and the wages of sin is death. And we don't live forever because it's an act of grace on God's part that we don't have to live in this fallen, messed up world that we helped mess up forever. He keeps us from the tree of life. But then I want to show you, and this is so exciting. Present tense, he's keeping us from the tree of life, but future, God will invite us to the tree of life. One of these days, instead of keeping us from it, he's going to say, would you like to come to it? You're welcome at the tree of life. In Revelation chapter 2 and verse 7, listen. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. That's why I kept making a big deal about paradise. Because did you know that the tree of life, until, the, until you saw it this morning, did you know that the tree of life that's mentioned in Genesis when everything got started is also mentioned in Revelation when it talks about how everything on this earth is going to end. It's the same tree of life. Back yonder, they're kept from it because of their sin. But eventually, one of these days, when Jesus comes back, he takes us back home with him to that paradise where there is no sin and there is no longer any result of sin, then what happens? We get to eat from the tree of life and stay alive with him forever. Hey, that's good news. Now he's keeping us from it, but one of these days he's going to invite us to it. Well, who is it that gets to be invited? Notice it says, to the one who conquers. I will grant these things. Well, who is the one who conquers, the one who overcomes? Well, John helps us with that. In 1 John 5, chapter 5, chapter 5, verse 5, John says, Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. How do you become one of these conquerors, one of these overcomers who gets to eat from the tree of life? John tells us in 1 John, the way to do that is to believe in Jesus. He who overcomes the world, uh, who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. His question there in, in 1 John 5, 5 is actually reminiscent to me of the questions that were raised in Psalm 24 that, uh, that Paul just quoted for us. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? Who is the one who gets to go back to paradise and eat from the tree of life? Who gets to do that? The overcomer. Who's the overcomer? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. And how do you get clean hands and a pure heart? By trusting in the only one who ever had clean hands and pure heart. And he will cleanse your hands and purify your heart. And then we get to be invited 
to the wedding feast of the Lamb with the tree of life for dessert. God will invite us to the tree of life. Let me continue in Revelation. Now we move to almost the very end of the book, the very end of Revelation. In Revelation chapter 22, beginning at verse 1. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb. Through the middle of the street of the city. Also, on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed. No longer will the curse exist. So the cherub that's keeping us away from the tree He's got other work to do. The flaming sword that's keeping us from the tree of life, that sword goes away. Having to work the land to eat, that goes away. Experiencing pain, that goes away. You see, all of the cursed part of the fallen life that you and I live now, all of that curse goes away. And instead, we get to celebrate in paradise, eating from the tree of life forever. He started in a very small paradise. He created the sun so they could see it all. And we're going to wind up, those of us who overcome by believing in Christ, we're going to wind up in a new paradise much bigger much larger much more beautiful and in this new paradise the same tree exists and we get to eat from it forever but in this new paradise there is no sun or moon to show us the way because Jesus is the light of the world and he's the he is all that we need there it's amazing when we compare how things began to how things will continue in the end. Our, we were rejected from the tree of life, but we will be one of these days invited to it if we trust in him. And I want to end, I want to finish with this. I want you to hear this last few seconds because if you miss this part, you miss the whole point. In Genesis, there was paradise that, that, that was fallen, paradise lost. The tree was protected from us. We couldn't get to it. In Revelation, we'll be invited into paradise. The tree will be there, and it's got, it's got 12 fruits, which means it's always bearing fruit, uh, 12 Twelve fruits means there's one every month. There's 12 months. It never runs out. That's what it's saying. It's always available. And it's going to be there. But my question is, how do human beings go from the fallen nature in a messed up world to being welcomed to that free, abundant, full, eternal life? And it all happens because there was another tree
in the middle. The tree of life over there and the tree of life there, they're the same tree, but our experience over there and our experience over there are very different, and the only thing that made the difference was the tree on Calvary. Because you see, unless you go to the tree at Calvary, you stay in this state, separated from the tree of life. God is still blocking you from it as an act of grace so you don't have to live forever knowing that you mess things up. But when you come to the cross, you come to the tree of Calvary, and you accept all that he's done for you in that place, you recognize and acknowledge that he is the Son of God, then he forgives and he cleanses so that you now have clean hands and pure hearts. And so then one of these days you can enter into that final paradise and enjoy the fruit of the tree of life forever.